America consists of a lot of things. We have great cities. We have national monuments. A year or so ago, we traveled out to the west and went to several places, Mount Rushmore being one. And there's just a sense of pride in uh, visiting those kind of places and thankfulness to God for what we call the greatest nation on the face of the earth. Certainly the richest nation on the face of the earth. And we call it the most blessed nation on the face of the earth. We believe that God had a hand in the, the formation of our country. We believe that God brought forth on this continent, to quote Abraham Lincoln, a new nation. A new nation that was built upon equality and justice for everybody. And that's what we call democracy. And it's what we call living free. Freedom cannot just be contained in a, a few words. Freedom involves a lot of things. In fact, in our purview, we would say that freedom is knowing the Lord Jesus. Because he whom the Son hath made free is free indeed. Amen. And the Bible says that we will know the truth, and the truth will set us free. And in these days of so much deceit and deception, it's hard to get at truth, isn't it? It's hard for us to really know accurately uh, the facts about matters because they're so skewed by people who have personal agendas and uh, for good and for bad. And here we are, where does that patriotism and where does that uh, thought process and that worldview in this postmodernal society, where does it intersect? And where does Christianity and our, our view as uh, civilians and our citizenship uh, in a country. We're also citizens of a heavenly country, the Bible says. Our citizenship is in heaven, the Bible said, from whence we look for the Lord of glory. And sometimes that citizenship that we have in heaven comes into contrast with the citizenship that we have here on earth. And we come to a place where the Apostle Paul said to uh, leaders, I believe it was Festus and Felix, he said to them, he said, uh, whether it's better to obey uh, God than man, you, you make up your mind about that. But said, for me, he said, I'm going to obey God because God's uh, leading and God's direction and God's uh, guidance is superior, he said, in our view, than uh, the view of a conquering Roman government. And we know that it's right for us to be good citizens. It is. The Bible commands us to be good citizens, that we may live a peaceable life and that we may, may live a quiet a life, the Bible said. So we know that we have an obligation biblically to submit ourselves to those who are in authority and are even told that they are in authority because of the will of God. Amen. And the Bible even tells us that in some instances they are ministers of God, the people who are in authority. And the Bible tells us we ought to pray for people who are in authority ought to pray for them. That's exactly right. As a Christian, we ought to pray for people who are in authority. Amen. And we'll read a scripture about that in, in just a minute. But more than buildings and monuments, there's something that is more American than anything else, and it's the heart of the people. The heart of the people in America. The heart of a people that would cross oceans to fight a battle so that uh, freedom could prevail for everybody. And so that you could live free and to worship free and to have a, a life of freedom and liberty. Liberty is a wonderful thing, but it's not cheap. 
Freedom is a wonderful thing, but it's not free. There's prices that have been paid. And when you stand and look at those American cemeteries in Normandy, when you look at those American cemeteries in the Philippines, and you look at those American cemeteries in the, the Far East, and you realize that freedom is not cheap, that it costs a big price, a big price, and that we as Americans ought to have a gratitude, and it's ripe that we have a day called Veterans Day and called Memorial Day. It's ripe that we honor uh, Independence Day right here because we broke from the tyranny of Great Britain. King George III had taxed the colonies so and had put such encumbrances upon them that they could no longer tolerate that. And against all odds, it had to be a miracle of God that that ragtag army of the revolution defeated one of the greatest armies and greatest armadas ever in the history of the world to become who we are today. And we celebrate all of that. All of that, by the broken bell in Philadelphia, the Boston Tea Party and Valley Forge and Washington and all of those, those things that, that are in our uh, story of how we evolved. And most of all, we, I think we closed the Gettysburg Address with those words, that a government for the people, of the people, and by the people shall not perish from the face of the earth. So prices have been paid, blood has been shed, and lives have been lost in order for us to sit here in this building today and lift up our voices and praise God and sing spiritual songs and preach the Word of God. There are countries in this world where I cannot preach the Word of God like I'm doing right here this morning. That's not permitted. And God is not defeated in that because the Bible said the Word of God is not bound. That in most of those venues there are people that love God and people that want to serve God and they do meetings in secret in house churches. Isn't that something? That across borders people have come in and smuggled Bibles in. There are champions of God that have done great things that the Word of God could be preached. And there are so many miracle stories I could tell you about today of, of missionaries. Uh, Wanda was telling me about, she just read a book till two in the morning about a lady that had carried the gospel through the wilderness and through privation to get the message to Indians that Jesus saves and that Jesus cares and Jesus loves them and Jesus died for them. What a great privilege it is for us to be here today, and it's right that we should honor, the Bible says, those who provided such a, a freedom and a liberty for us, and I'm thankful for that. And the Constitution has a preamble. Now, I don't know if you go back this far or not. You probably don't. I, I, I learned it and memorized it because uh, uh, I, when I was a kid, it was required in eighth grade. Some a little bit later on in the 70s got to listen to Schoolhouse Rock. You remember Schoolhouse Rock? We the people of the United States of America, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility. These crazy little cartoon figures was doing that. And, and every Saturday you'd find yourself singing along with them, you know, and that's how folks in the 70s and 80s probably memorized the preamble. But those planks in that platform in order to form a more perfect union, 
a more perfect union, that we all agree upon a, a set of principles, and that we all agree to abide and live by a certain standard. Amen. It's called the Constitution. And the first items of it are called the Bill of Rights. And among those Bill of Rights is freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom to voice our, our protest when we feel like we've been unfairly treated. There are all of those things that are attached to the Constitution. We the people, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility. Here's a good one. Promote the general welfare. You mean we need a constitution to promote the general welfare? Yeah, we sure do. Provide for the common defense. Well, that's good that we're all defended. I'm glad I've got God defending me, aren't you? Amen. But provide for the common defense. Ensure the blessings of life and liberty to ourselves and to our posterity. In other words, to our kids, our generations that will follow, to ensure the pursuit of happiness to our kids. So we're here celebrating today men and women that have those ideals that we feel like were God-ordained, which brought us to a place in 1776 where a Continental Congress declared that henceforth that these states are independent states that we're not under the rule of Britain anymore. Well, needless to say, they were going to prove that Constitution to be wrong and came within a whisker several times of doing that. But two centuries later, we're still here and are the most blessed nation and the most advanced technologically nation on the face of the earth. And that has to be the providence of God. Has to be God that has brought us to this place has to be God. So when we talk about we, the people, we talk about us, us uh, as Americans. As Americans, it's right that we should embrace the emblems of our freedom and the emblems of our, our history, that we are free and independent, that all people are created equal. Outside these doors, yes, we're citizens of an of a, a earthly uh, country, but inside these doors, we're children of God. I said we're children of God. And I've often told you the ground is level at the foot of the cross. And I've always told you that God is, is not a respecter of persons. That God loves everybody unconditional. Aren't you glad of that? That everybody, everybody, no matter where you're from, or what's your history, what's your background, God loves everybody. And God gives everybody who will accept his gracious offer of salvation, sonship, and citizenship as well. A child of God and also a citizen of a heavenly country from whence we look for the Lord of glory. And Mark, the Bible said, but now they desire a better country. Well, I love this one, but I desire a better one. And its builder and its maker is God. Hallelujah. And God is not ashamed to be called our God because he has prepared for us a city. Thanks be to God, I'm on my, my way, aren't you? Amen. Brother Fincher came in the door yesterday, said he'd been listening to Finchie sing all the way up to the house. And uh, I said, what was she singing? He said, she was singing, I'm bound for that city. I'm bound for that city. Glory to God. 
I want to tell you today that this is my earthly home, but I may leave here most any time. This is my earthly home and this is my earthly house that I live in, but I may leave here any time because I've got another building that when this one is destroyed, I've got another one. And it is eternal in the heavens, not made with hands. And it's given by God. And I'm anxious to be in that, that existence, aren't you? The Bible said, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. But as long as I am in this house, as long as I am in this existence, it is my privilege and my great pleasure to represent God to people on this earth and tell them that God and Jesus are right for whatever's wrong. I've often preached, you've heard me, if I had a pet scripture, this would be one of them, Titus 2 and 11 and 12. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world, looking for, somebody say looking for, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. We use that word sometimes when we speak of something odd or something strange. We say, well, that's peculiar. My dad often say about, said about people, he'd say, he's kind of peculiar. Well, that means uh, we mean odd and weird and strange when we use it that way. But that's not the way this word is used in this passage. The word is translated from a Greek word which is made up on two words. One which means around or a circle and another which means to be. So when Jesus and when Peter is repeating the words of Jesus, when he says we're a peculiar people, he says that we're surrounded, we're within a circle, we're to be in a circle. It is as if God is the circle that surrounds us. That he is, hallelujah, I'm about to shout. I felt the anointing of God right there. That you are encircled? Brother Don, is that scripture right in saying that by being peculiar that we are encircled by God? That your life, your family, this church is encircled by God? and that you are like a dot inside that circle, that you are totally absorbed by that circle. That every way you turn, you're confronted with that circle. That that circle so surrounds you, praise God, that every way you turn and every way you look, you see God. Glory to God. You, may, you know, there are people that are spiritually mature, that they look at things in a different way than a, than a carnal person does. A carnal person counts noses and nickels. A spiritual person sees gifts from God. I told Jerry not long ago, I said, it's amazing how God goes before you and preparing a way for you and making a way for you. It's amazing to me how God provides opportunity. And you know, that's because he encircles us. Isn't that something, Tina, today to know that you are encircled by God that he's all around you, he's above you, he's beneath you, he's beside you, amen, he's in you, he's around you, he totally has absorbed your whole life and nothing, absolutely nothing, nothing, nothing can touch you 
before it penetrates that circle. I'm about to shout if I wasn't so dignified that it wasn't the 4th of July, I would. Glory to God. You telling me, Pastor, that being peculiar, the peculiar people of God, means that I'm surrounded by God? That's exactly what it means. It means that, let's, let's can you imagine a chalkboard? Hadn't got one, but I'll imagine. I'm going to draw a circle up here. All right? And out right in the middle of that circle, I'm going to put a, a dot, and that's you. That's you. Well, Brother Jerry, I could at least be a question mark or an explanation point. Why am I just a period? Because when you've said it all, period. Got a period here, and that's you. Let's put a, a dot outside the circle. You're in it. It's outside it. Now, let's draw a line from that point we just put up there, that dot, down to you. That course cannot get to you until it crosses the circle. What that means is God will never allow you to confront anything that he cannot give you the grace and the strength and the wisdom to endure whatever that is that's trying to get at you. And that's what being peculiar means, being the peculiar people of God. I think it's in 1 Corinthians 10 and 13. If you've got it there, let's read that scripture because it tells us that there is no temptation. Somebody say no temptation. No temptation that is known to man. None of those temptations can ever get to you. There is no temptation. You're going to have to make it a little bigger than that, Jimmy. No temptation taken you, but what you're, that is common to man, but God is faithful. There is things that are common to all of us. If I don't take a bath, I'll stink. If I don't eat some food, I'll get hungry. If I don't lay down and sleep at night, I won't have any energy the next day. There are things that are common to every one of us. But when something uncommon happens, but God is faithful when something happens to you that is out of the ordinary, that is out of the circle, that's unusual, that comes your way, that you caught you on the blind side and you weren't ready for, that Christ is faithful, hallelujah, and he will not suffer you. He will not suffer you to be tempted above what you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way for your escape that you may be able to bear it. Well, God, I know I've got to step up on the scales at some point, and you've got to determine whether I can bear it or I can't bear it, and you've got to adjust it, and you've got to design it, and you've got to change it, to where I can handle it. So God not only is the defense, He's the circle that has to be penetrated, but with every penetration, He said, I will design and I will I'll limit it. I won't allow it to cross over the line. I'll limit it. So I'll also design it 
and I'll also limit it to where you can handle it. Wow, what a confidence God must have in you. Some of you tell me, Brother Jerry, I'm telling you, I'm just about at the breaking point with all this that's going on. No, you're not. God wouldn't let it happen. You can make it. Well, I don't know what in the world I'm going to do. Keep trusting God. Put your faith in God. Believe the Word of God. Keep doing good things. Keep believing good thoughts. Amen. And keep on going. Don't stop. Keep on going because God already knows about it. He designed it and He limited it. Hallelujah. I'd be, I like to be there when he, when he speaks to and limits that thing that's challenging me. And just like he did with the devil when the devil came to him about Job. Do you remember? And the devil said to God, he said, if you'll remove that hedge of protection that you put around Job, I will cause him to curse you to your face. And God said, you're, you're way off the mark. You don't know who you're dealing with here. He's an upright man. We're in relationship. We're in covenant. I know what he can do and what he can't do. I know what he can bear and what he can't bear. And I'm just telling you, you'll never get him to the place that he will curse me to my face. Just let me touch you. Just move that hedge of protection. Let me touch him. I'll get to him. God said, you can touch him, but you can't take his life. Hallelujah. And you know the story. And the Bible said, in all of this, when the Bible recounted that whole episode, the Bible said this, in all of this, Job did not sin with his mouth, neither did he charge God foolishly. Wow. He even stood up against an advisor that said, why don't you just curse God and die? And he said, you're foolish. That's foolish talk for you to talk to me like that. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And he made this statement. He said, those skin worms, though the maggots destroy this body of mine, yet in my flesh shall I see God. He believed in a resurrection, didn't he? I shall see God whom I shall behold for myself. These eyes shall behold him. I know that my Redeemer lives and that he shall stand upon the earth in the latter day. I know I've got a future in God. I know I've got a trust in God. I've got a faith in God. And it's going to take me through every difficulty, every hardship, everything that comes my way. I'll get through it because I believe God. God limits everything that happens to us in this life. He is around us and he's in us. 1 Peter 2 and 7, the Bible said, Unto you who believe, he is precious. Wow. Come on, Connor, and help me quit. It's holiday. We'll go home early on holidays. <laughs> Unto them that believe, he is precious. That's what your King James believes and says. And uh, the translators kind of missed it just a little bit right there. It says, unto you who believe, he is your preciousness. 
there's a difference in my being precious and having preciousness. Jesus is my preciousness. Are you kidding me? I know that he's my righteousness. But now you're telling me that he is my preciousness. Unto them, therefore, that believe, he is preciousness. Not a subject compliment, but an object of the preposition. He is preciousness. Wow. He becomes our preciousness in the eyes of our Heavenly Father. The circle that surrounds us very softly. He is precious in the eyes of the Father. Preciousness is imputed unto us. And Jesus becomes our preciousness in the eyes of the Father as he becomes our righteousness before the law. The Son dwells in the bosom of the Father. Did you know that? He dwells in the bosom of the Father, closest to the Father's heart. Jesus dwells where all of the affections of God, grace, love, peace, joy, deliverance, all of those things are in that place that is closest to the heart of God. And through Christ, who is our preciousness, we everyone live in that favored place of God's affections. There ought to have been 15 of you jumping up and down to realize that in the presence of God right now, you are being counted as precious in the eyes of God. That God right now, through Jesus being in His presence, He is my preciousness, and He is in the presence of God in the bosom of the Father. The bosom of the Father is the place where His greatest affections are. There's a glass up there or something I'm not getting at to you. God help me preach that more clearly so these people can understand. There is a place in the bosom of the Father. The bosom of the Father is where all of His affections rest and are and exist. And in that bosom of the Father, we have a possession. He is in us and we are in Him. He is our rep representative in the presence of God. He is our mediator. He is, glory to God, the propitiation. He is to God what we want to have, which is favor, love, joy, peace, gentleness, meekness. All of those blessings are in the bosom of the Father. And you are in the bosom of the Father, represented by Jesus, who is our preciousness. Precious is one of Debbie's favorite words. Next to hilarious, it's probably her most used word. When she looks at her little dog, she says, oh, he's so precious. When she looks at her grandchildren, she'll say, he is so precious. He'll look at her, she'll look at her granddaughter, she'll say, she is so precious. When she talks about you, she'll say, oh, she is so precious. I just love her. He'll... She'll talk about one of her friends. Oh, I just love him. He is so precious. 
Can you believe that when somebody says to God, do you know Faye, Clay? God says, oh yeah, she's so precious. Do you believe when somebody says, God, do you know Kim Nelson? Oh, how precious and sweet she is. How precious she is. Tina, can you believe that God thinks you're precious? Where are my aisle runners and jumpers and shouters and stompers? Randy, this place ought to be screaming and hollering because... Now, I guarantee you, if the, if some, the governor had called you this morning and said, I just want you to know you're precious today, you would come in that door. Dot, the governor told me I was precious today on the phone call I got. I wasn't even expecting it. Why, Faith, do you know what? The governor called me this morning and told me I was precious. You'd be running around telling everybody. Well, how much more should you be telling everybody that your heavenly Father thinks you are precious because Jesus is in our, our place in the bosom of the Father and the Father, when He sees you, He sees Jesus. God have mercy. Brother Ford, you reckon you could preach this any better to them if they get what I'm saying? They're not getting it. Because if you got it, buddy, that they'd be, whoa, thank you, Jesus. Well, could you just clap your hands and say, thank you, God, for thinking I'm precious. <laughs> Would you just send him a thank you note? Just wanted you to know I think you're precious. Well, I thank you for that. I reckon that's the most we're going to get out of us on a holiday weekend. That's the best, best we can do. But I want to tell you something. You ought to live every day. Brother Ed, every day we ought to live like we're thankful that God thinks we're precious. Janice, every day we ought to say, thank you, God, for thinking I'm precious. Thank you, God, that some lowly being like me, that you think that I'm precious. What is that song we sing some? We're to die for, to die for. He thought I was worth keeping. He thought I was worth saving. He thought I was to die for. I want to tell you, your heavenly Father, that circle that surrounds your life, who thinks you're precious, who is protecting you and providing for you and encircling you, thinks that you're the best thing ever. What about that? Stand up, please. Time to go eat some more barbecue. Well, Lord, I feel good in my sanctified soul this morning. I, I, I just feel God tugging at my heartstrings this morning for telling me that He thinks I'm precious. And as long as He thinks that, Kim, it don't really matter to me what a lot of folks think. Amen. A lot of folks probably think I'm ignorant. A lot of people probably think I'm ugly. Probably a lot of folks think I'm old and unlearned, not useful for anything. But I'll tell you what, what really matters to me is what he thinks. And I just told you what he thinks. I said, I told you what he thinks. So when you walk out of here, you hold your head up. When somebody says, well, why, why are you coming out like that? Oh, I found out something at church today. I found out that I am loved and favored and blessed by my heavenly father that he surrounds me because i'm peculiar 
I'm the peculiar people of God, which means I'm circled with God. Boy, if that means peculiar, I sure want to be peculiar, don't you? Call me peculiar if you want to. I want to be peculiar because I want that circle around me. Thank you, God, for all of our folks at church today. And thank you for a wonderful Independence Day yesterday and an Independence Weekend for us to visit with our loved ones and our family and our friends. But don't ever let us forget that Calvary was the place where salvation was a victory that we won. Thank you that in Jesus we've inherited all things. Thank you that in Jesus we have a relationship and a right standing with God. And thank you for the love of God the Father. God bless all of our people and keep us safe from danger and harm this weekend because we pray that prayer in the strong name of Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. God bless you and God go with you is our prayer. You have a great weekend.